0: Let me ask you guys a question. Anybody here just love doing dishes? Are you a dishes person? Like you just enjoy dishes? You're some kind of psychopath like that? Okay. <laughs> Sorry, son. Uh, <laughs> taking out the trash, you just wake up every day, you're like, yeah, I can't wait to take that trash out. That's just, that's just my thing. Anybody just love folding laundry, especially socks? Weirdos. Okay. <laughs> you just love like just finding socks, all the mixed match socks and, you know, laundry. Who loves just cleaning up after somebody else? Like, that's your bag. Like, you just wake, wake up and you're like, ooh, I cannot wait to tidy up somebody else's mess. No, no, nah, nah, no, it's not the thing. It's not, okay, I got, I'm going to get somebody here. There's somebody here who enjoys mowing their lawn and doing yard work. Who is that? Pro- oh, yeah. Again, straight up sociopaths out there. I don't know what's wrong with you. I got a homeboy who loves. He's like, it's just my peaceful place. I get on my lawnmower, and I'm just like, I'm like, whatever, bro. That's just work. Like, what's wrong with you? I'd rather be playing Xbox or something else. Um, he loves mowing his lawn, and he finds it his peaceful place. But to me, it's just, ugh. Um, what about helping people move? Who, <laughs> who's a big fan of helping people move? Can I just tell you guys something? that there comes an age where nobody asks you to help them move anymore, and it's a glorious thing. Like, and those years are like, they're way be behind me. Like, no, none of my friends are calling me up and being like, hey, I got pizza and beer and a moving truck. <laughs> like, woo, I'm so glad I graduated past that stage of life. Uh, I hate helping people move. And, you know, I'm semi in shape, so like, hey, Rob, come lift some boxes. I'm like, yeah, no, you should, you should call somebody. Um... Who loves just being around people that are going through a tough time? That's kind of me. I'm not gonna lie. Like I like helping people out. I love praying with people, and I'm not not trying to make you feel bad. But that's just kind of my thing. That that's my bag. When people are going through a tough time. I, I, I don't mind being there for them. But for a lot of people, that is a, that's hard work, especially if you're going through a hard time and somebody else is just going through junk and they just feel like a Debbie Downer, like you're all trying to be upbeat and they're down and you're just like, ah, oh, this, is, this is tough. And what I'm really getting at is that doing something that is inconvenient rarely feels like a win. It just feels inconvenient. It just feels like work. Now, disclaimer if you raise your hand for every one of those and you do all those things, congratulations. You are the best person since Mr. Rogers and Mother Teresa. Maybe they got together, had a kid, and it's you. You're a far better Christian than I am. God bless you. You can preach next week if that's you. Um, if you're somebody who is that, then you can just go ahead and break out your phone and solve today's Wordle, uh, fix your fantasy football lineup. Um you know, pretend like you're taking notes, but really you're texting somebody because you, you got it. You got serving down. Um, we're in this series called Wholehearted, and we want to know what our lives would look like if we knew, loved, and experienced God more by the end of the year. And Chris pointed out last week uh, that Jesus loves his church, and his church looks like corporate gatherings and house gatherings. And we here at City Church, if you are part of this family, we value house gatherings gatherings. Uh, It dawned on me as I was sitting there listening to Chris preach that, you know, he says, we are a church with two doors, and we are literally physically a church with two doors. You notice when you came in, there's two doors downstairs. Like, look at God. Look at God. We have two doors. Um, Like I said, this week I get to talk to you about serving, and Jesus felt very strongly about what it means to be a servant. I love what Chris said last week. He said, There's no scenario where you are fully committed to Jesus, but not fully committed to his church. I just thought that was powerful. There's no scenario where you are fully committed to Jesus, but not fully committed to his church. In the gospel of Mark, we see an exchange where Jesus outlines what it looks like to serve like Jesus. Um, Let's look at Mark chapter 10, verses 35 through 44. Mark 10, 35 through 44. I'll let you find it in your real Bibles and your fake Bibles on your phone. Um, 35 says that somebody thought that was funny. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. I just got to pause right here. Because right before that, Jesus had just told his disciples, I'm getting ready to die. And the audacity of these guys right after he says, I'm getting ready to die, I'm getting ready to go give myself up for everybody. They're like, before you do that, sir, uh, we were just wondering if you would do a little thing for us. Um, And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? And he said to him, and they said to him, grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. And Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism which I am baptized? And they said to him, for show. <laughs> We're able. And he said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard this, they began to be indignant. Everybody just say it with me. Say indignant. Indignant. I love that word. It's just so disgusted. They were so disgusted with them. They they were indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. This is my favorite part but it shall not be so among you. Some of your translations would say, not so for you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. Can we pray real quick? Holy Spirit, help us to serve like Jesus. Amen. I didn't have a lot of structure growing up. Uh, I had some chores. Uh, I, I lived in the city, so let's be real. I wasn't like out here chopping wood or anything like that. But um, had a single mom, and I kind of bounced around from a lot of houses. So there wasn't a lot of rules for me growing up. I didn't have a lot of chores. I didn't have a lot of opportunities to serve. I'm trying to set myself up so you could feel feel sorry for me, okay? So I didn't have a lot of opportunities to serve. So when I was about 8 or 9 years old, I got invited to a Christian camp, a weekend retreat. Um, this nice Christian friend of the family uh, took me to a weekend weekend retreat, and all I knew was that there was kids there, and they played Capture the Flag. It was like boys chase girls, girls chase boys. I was like, I'm in. Let's go. I want to be part of this weekend retreat. And what happened was when you got there, they signed you up to serve. Now, this serving, I told you this, I I set it up for myself. I didn't have a lot of chores, I didn't have a lot of structure, so when I got there and they were like, yeah, we serve, I was like, yeah, whatever, I'm running around with the kids doing all the things, and they're like, we have this thing called KP, anybody know what KP means? It's a military term that means kitchen patrol. And that sounded awful to my 8- and 9-year-old self who just wanted to just run around with my friends, play tag, uh, girls chase boys, boys chase girls, and run around the field and do all the fun stuff. And they signed me up for this kitchen patrol. Now, don't judge me, okay? I was only a kid. I didn't know any better. Nobody pulled me aside and said, hey, this is what we do. We pitch in around here so we can have this thing. Everybody does their part. Nobody had really explained that to me. And so I did it one time. And the time that I did it, I was, like, washing dishes, and the window was right there, and I could see all my friends running around, playing, just having a good time. And it was just eating me up on the inside. And then so the second time I had it, uh, I kind of walked by, and I saw my name on the list, and I kind of was like, I acted like I didn't see it. And I just went outside and played with my friends. And somebody came in, snatched me up, and said, hey, you got kitchen patrol. And I was like, ah. And so I came in and did the rest of it. And then I ended up having three times. Three times in one weekend. Come on, none of you guys look like you feel sorry for me. Three times in one weekend that I had to be in the kitchen washing all the dirty dishes with corn and meat. It was gross. and got my hands all nasty. I was like, I just want to be outside playing with my friends. Fine. So uh, I ended up having it three times, and I went home, and that was my first experience ever serving was that I was kind of forced to do it. Nobody really explained to me this is how we do things around here. It was a new concept to me. The second opportunity I had to serve was also forced upon me. Um, When I was about 12 years old, I decided to get into some nefarious activities that would line me in juvenile court. (laughs) And I landed in juvenile court, and the judge uh, gave me probation and community service. And so now I have this community service where I'm serving. I'm serving in this law office or this state-run office where I'm filing paperwork for what seemed like days on end, and I was forced to serve, Serve, and uh, it wasn't any fun, but at least it wasn't kitchen patrol. So as I got older, as I got older, anything that was service-oriented, it just reminded me of that. And it just reminded me of this work that was kind of forced upon me. And if I'm honest with you, even today, when it comes to serving, any kind of like <laughs> labor or, or tedious work, is, it's, it's a real drag for me. And... Uh, God, true to his sense of humor, gave me a wife who loves all things DIY. Um, she loves all things tedious and, um, and laborious, and it, she, it's like fun to her, and it's not to me, and, but now it has to be for me because God has a sense of humor. I'm like, I have other talents and gifts that I could serve you with. Truly, you know this, right? Um, well, here's what I want to say is that serving is important because serving is central to the mission of Jesus Christ, Serving is central to the mission of Jesus Christ because Jesus is the great burden lifter. Um, if that's too much, um, I used to be a rapper, so I got hot bars and I want to spit for you. I got a little rhyme for you. It's this When we serve, we bless. When we bless, we remove stress. Whew, did y'all feel the spirit moving when I said that? When we serve, we bless. And when we bless, we remove stress. Most of us just love to be served. We don't have a problem being served. Like, can you think of a time when somebody just absolutely took great care of you? Um, maybe you were sick and it was your mom and she made some chicken noodle soup for you when you were sick. And it just, it just felt good. She took care of you. Uh, I've heard this for ladies. I don't know this because I haven't had hair in a long time. But um, I hear that when you become ill and you have to, you know, Like somebody holds your hair for you, like it's like the sweetest thing, like I can't believe she held my hair for me when I was sick. Um, Sometimes it's a restaurant where uh, a restaurant just has fantastic, amazing service where they make you feel like a king or a queen. And how many know that restaurants that have good customer service and great service, they tend to last a little bit longer than the other restaurants? I know for us, uh, before we moved to Texas, we went from Seattle to Texas, Texas to here. But we had a six-week window where we didn't have a place to stay. And we had friends. We have four boys, and they had four girls, and they're all around the same age. And all of us stayed in one house. They let us stay in their house for six weeks prior to us moving to Texas. It was a beautiful thing. They served us well. Um, They just took care of us. Sometimes it's just somebody attending your needs or... Somebody to listen to you. Um, I heard somebody say this. I don't remember who said it, but it was powerful. It said, being heard is so close to being loved that most people can't tell the difference. Being heard is so close to being loved that most people can't tell the difference. How many know that just somebody being there to listen to you is a form of service? Really, when someone serves us, it feels like such a blessing because they are lifting a burden off of us just like Jesus does. So what keeps us all from serving? Some of you here might be new to the faith. You might be new to the faith and you're all fired up for Jesus and you're like, God, use me, use me up. And they were like, okay, cool. We need you to sign up to serve in the children's ministry. You're like, ooh. See, what had happened was, use me up, Lord, use me up. God, I want to be used by you. I'm like, oh, that's perfect. I need you to help stack some chairs. You're like, oh, I just got my nails done. Maybe not right now. Um, Here's what I want to tell people. If you are too big to push a broom, you are too small to serve in an area where you're going to be vocal. If you're too big to uh, hold a toilet scrubber, then you're too small to lead people. If you're too big to stack chairs, then you're too small for this pulpit because every single one of them is a serving opportunity, even what I'm doing right now. Amen? Amen. The next time I had an opportunity to serve was in church after I became a Christian at 27 years old. Um, I kept meaning to sign up to be an usher because ushers just look cool at that time. Come on. It was 2004. I was in a charismatic church. Everybody had the big four, five, six, eight button kings of comedy suits, you know what I mean, with the leather shoes. And they were like ushers and were men and just standing like, you know, I was like, that's me. I was like, that's. That's the spot that I'm going to serve at. That is for me. I kept meaning to sign up, but I kept forgetting. But we also had four kids under the age of five. And so one day as I'm dropping off four kids under the age of five, somebody said, hey, um, you might want to, you know, you might want to help us out here. You know, I see you dropping off four kids every Wednesday night and Sunday morning. Maybe you might want to pitch in and, you know, help us out a little bit, right? Um, and they, and unlike the eight year old me, there was a conviction inside of me that said, if I'm dropping off four kids under the age of five, uh, for two hours on Wednesdays and Sundays, I should, I should probably help out. I can tell you that I was reluctant, but I was convicted. And what do you know that my first ministry assignment wasn't as a men's pastor as I thought I'd be, wasn't as the discipleship pastor, uh, as I thought I'd be. Uh, I was a children's pastor. That was my first, a ministry assignment in the same area where I served why don't we serve some of us are just selfish um, I don't think that you're born that way but selfishness is usually born out of a wound um, life experiences have taught you that if you give away your time energy or money that you'll be losing something Um, Nobody. I don't believe that anybody's just born selfish like that, that you've had a wound and something has informed you that if you you give something away that you're never going to get it back and that you're losing or you're missing out. And so it creates this selfishness inside of you. If anybody here is dealing with that, you just need to ask Jesus to give you a new heart towards serving. Um, I want to say that being self-centered and following Jesus just doesn't work because it's just not his way. Jesus is a burden lifter, and serving others is the center of his mission. Some of us would just say, I'm busy. I'm busy. I have a very, very busy life. Pastor Rob, you don't know what I got going on. I got the kids. We got the schedule. We got the thing. We got all things. I just don't know when I would serve. I'm not here to shame you. Um, City Church is not here to shame you. We are not a culture of shame. We are a culture of honor. This is a family and we are edifying. So we're having a family conversation. Um, I'm not here to shame you about your schedule if you're busy. Um, We are actually all about that life. We want you to do life well with your family. But I would challenge you. I would challenge you to, to be intentional about finding some time to serve whether it's in the church or whether it's outside the church, whether it's your family, whether it's your neighborhood. I would challenge you to be intentional about that. Um, a lot of you are, I know the room I'm talking to, I know my audience, a lot of you are good old Midwesterners and you're, you're raised with some, some, some good old-fashioned values. And for serving, uh, it really isn't an issue for you, it was how you were raised, whether you had faith or not, um, you were going to work hard, whether you have a faith background or not, you were just going to pitch in because that is just the values of this region. If that's you, Jesus doesn't have to convince you to serve But I bet he wants to redeem your heart around serving. What I mean by that is you might be tempted to think serving is what I should do to get right with God. You might have become a Christian or somebody might have even told you that serving is what you should do to get right with God. And some of us have believed that lie that you earn your place in God's heart by your works or how much you serve. Or maybe you've been judged on your performance your whole life, and this is just another opportunity to perform well. Listen, you know you're believing this lie if you keep score with your serving. And what I mean by keeping score with your serving is is you know how much you served and how little somebody else has served. Oh, I'm not preaching anybody in here today. Okay, none of y'all do that. You, you, know, you know, there's not one amen. You know how much you've served and you know how little somebody else has served. You're keeping score. You might have believed a lie when it comes to serving in your place with God. Or you think poorly of yourself. You have this negative self-talk. I haven't served enough. Even my talking to you right now, you're starting to feel this condemnation of I haven't served enough. This is not the message. This is not a message of condemnation. This is a message of values and who we are as a church and what Jesus thinks about serving and what we do. You can't serve enough to earn God's love, but serving is central to Jesus' mission. He wants to move your serving, if this is the lie that you believed, he wants to move your serving from duty to honor. For City Church, serving is mission-focused. Mark ten forty five says this, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. If you struggle with working hard or serving for approval. Um, You believe this lie and Ephesians 2 8 through 10 says this for by grace you have been saved through faith And this is not your own doing it is the gift of god not a result of works, So that no one may boast for we are his workmanship created in christ jesus for everybody say good works For good works, which god prepared beforehand that we should walk in them god's grace Is what saved you? jesus is who saved you not your works God's grace is what keeps you he's not keeping score of your works you are made new in Jesus for good works to be a representation of Jesus on this earth some of us are doing things out of guilt or feeling or obligation but I'm asking you right now will you let Jesus redeem your works today I have had two points and threw in a, a, a quick third, sneaky third point here. So point number one is this. Um, Jesus is absolutely others' focus. Jesus is others' focus. Galatians 5.13 says this. For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another through love. Serving is often a sign to people who are battling depression i don't know if you knew that um one of the things that a counselor will do if you come to them and you are depressed is they will say hey have you signed up to serve anywhere um i know we're coming to a place uh, where the sun is starting to uh, set a little sooner and we're battling some seasonal depression and an opportunity to battle that seasonal depression is to think about somebody else it's to sign up someplace to serve um we serve For the abundance of our own lives and for the sake of others point number two this is my bonus point is this never arrive when you become a believer never arrive never feel like you've made it never get to the place where you felt like you know what I'm here I'm Christian enough (laughs) I've done enough That's what James and John wanted. They wanted to sit at the right hand of Jesus so that they could finally arrive and lord over other people. Guys, we have to settle in our heart that this is a lifelong journey with Jesus and that we're never going to arrive. Lastly, this, his church is being formed into his image. 1 John 2 verse 6 says this, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. You see, there's a tension between being and doing. I read this in a book by Ruth Haley Barton. There's a tension between being and doing. That tension is we don't do to be, we be to do. You don't do to be, you be to do. We don't do the works to be a Christian. We are a Christian. We are saved. We are saved by grace through faith, through Jesus' love. And through that, it's an outpouring of what we do. Amen? Every time I preach on behavior, I want you to study to see if this is biblically accurate. Um, I want you to examine your hearts to see why your actions maybe don't line up with our Lord's. And I want you to allow God's goodness to cause you to repent. This is never going to be a condemnation message. Um, That's not the language of the Lord. But God's goodness causes you to repent, Romans 2.4. We don't do to be, we be to do. Um, Jesus, our Savior, he's our target. And we're being formed in his image. He is perfect. But he's not perfect just so that he could lord over everybody not perfect. He's perfect so that he might serve others perfectly. If we knew, loved, and experienced Jesus more at the end of the year, the byproduct of it will be remaining mission focused. It will be remaining mission focused. 1 Peter 4.10 says this. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. What does that look like? That looks like, first of all, serving your family and your friends and the people who are close to you. I want you to ask yourself, what does that look like practically to serve family and friends? I go back to listening to people, meeting needs, lifting burdens off of people, whether it's financial whether it is the tedious hard work, whether it is bringing a meal to somebody who just had a baby or somebody who's going through um, a sickness or dealing with an illness. You use your gift to serve one another. There's this thing called a ministry of presence, of just being with somebody. That's powerful. Don't ever look at it. Don't let anybody ever tell you that the ministry of presence is not a form of serving. It's serving others the way that Jesus wants us to. It's lifting burdens the way that Jesus wants us to. When it comes to finances, are we obedient to the gentle nudge of the Holy Spirit? I know that we're a generous church and we give to our church, but what about outside the church when it comes to friends, families, or the person on the street? That's a form of serving. Yeah, it's a generosity, but it's a form of serving. Your coworkers, where you work at, how could you serve your coworkers better? What would it look like to serve them, to lift a burden off of that person that you work with that just gets on your last nerve? (laughs) Come on, guys, that's real Jesus stuff. That's real church stuff right there. What does it look like to serve in your neighborhood? To take care of somebody's lawn, maybe help somebody out. Maybe you've got a single parent in your neighborhood that you'd love to help out. What does it look like to serve at church? The children's ministry always needs help. In every church, that's universal. (laughs) The children's ministry always needs workers. We need help in production. We need help in worship. We need help on our serve days. We're a church plant still, so this is an all-hands-on-deck season for this family for this mission and we want to remain mission focused to lift burdens off of people we have tons of opportunities for you to serve in and outside the church we have block ministries that does everything from after school programs to culinary training we're connected to our daily bread which is cincinnati's largest uh soup kitchen we partner with caring hearts my kids are going on a mission to san luis Um, it's dedicated to helping people are hurting, helping people who are marginalized. We have plenty of opportunities for you. I have a quote here from Lee Beach. He's a seminary professor and pastor. He says, if you want to grow in love, the way you do it is not likely going to be by attending more Bible studies or prayer meetings. It will happen by getting close to people who are not like you. Finally, in closing, I just want to tell you this story that I heard about The Apollo 16 astronauts. A lot of them, I didn't know this, they were Christians. and I just heard this recently. There's a guy named Ken Mattingly who was one of the astronauts on the mission and he's a believer Um, and he was walking around the rocket ship. Uh, He was very nervous right before the mission. So the night before he started walking around the the rocket ship just kind of staring at this thing that he was getting ready to shoot off into space into. And as he was staring at it A technician came up and didn't recognize him as an astronaut he walks up to him and he's like hey hey you can't be here and he turns around and looks at him and he's like oh and the technician realizes that this is the guy who's getting ready to get in this rocket and fly up into space and the technician looks at him and he says put his hand on his shoulder he says i can't imagine what it's going to be like to be on that mission tomorrow but here's what i know i'll make you this promise it won't fail Because of me. It won't fail because of me. And Ken Mattingly realized in that moment that there were thousands of people dedicated to that mission that said, it won't fail because of me. Jesus is building his church. We are his bride. His kingdom is coming. And we are called to serve like Jesus, to lift burdens like Jesus. How has God gifted you? What talents do you have to bring? And will you be like that technician and say, this thing won't fail because of me. Amen.